give me one shot here on a blue chip stock, believe me, Kevin, the only problem you're going to have is that you didn't buy more. Nobody knows if the stock is going to go up, down, sideways, or in circles. What's going on, NBA draft fans? Your boys are back. The Wolves of Ball Street. Your favorite draft analyst, favorite draft analyst. Your boys from the Draft Deck NBA Draft Podcast. My name is Corey Tulliba, and I am here, as always, with my co-host, Albert. Garbage time again. Albert, what is good, my dude? What is going on? We are coming off the heels of an unbelievable YouTube live stream yesterday, oh, yeah. which was just honestly so fun. It was I had the time of my life. But um, here we are. We're going to do some recapping of... Uh, the uh the lottery and how things went so i'm excited man it, it, yesterday was a trip but we're back home right we got home court advantage yes. and we're gonna have some fun yeah yesterday was just a, a an amazing experience for everybody from the no ceilings family we you know really successful live stream and uh we owe all that success to our, our listeners to our viewers on the youtube channel uh we we hosted a, a spaces on twitter nick nick and alex crushed it uh, absolutely crushed it. That was a, a, a huge, huge uh, thing for us yesterday as well. Something that I think that we're going to continue to try to do a little bit more often. So thanks everybody for rocking with us, man. This first year of no ceilings has just been a, a blessing. It's been a blessing working with the entire staff and, and thank you for continuing to show all your unwavering support for the draft act podcast. Uh, I know Albert and I, you know, means, means so much to us and, you know, we're, we're gearing up to, to bring you guys, some some good good episodes in the coming weeks and, and month leading into the NBA draft. And look, we gotta we gotta talk to you guys about some of the lottery results too, because you know, things shook out, things happened. And you know, Albert, uh, I think the the most important thing for you personally is that the Knicks didn't jump up, but hey, they didn't fall back either. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and Corey, the more I think about it, and I said this even before the days leading up to the lottery. I, I don't remember if I said it to you or where I said it, but sitting at 11th is a primo spot. There is absolutely nothing wrong with the Knicks sitting at 11 because especially considering this draft and the way that we're, we have these prospects in these tiers. I feel like the Knicks are sitting pretty at 11. I feel like yeah. we're going to have the full gamut of like really talented wings for us to choose from. So I'm I'm not tripping out. I'm not freaking out. I'm really happy with where the Knicks ended up, although it's not the first pick like I was hoping. But sitting at 11th instead of first, not as bad as people might think. Yeah, I somebody's dropping to the Knicks. Somebody interesting is dropping to that 11th spot. There's there's going to be a lot of a lot of wing talent available, and I think that you know that's something that we talked about and we've been discussing is that the Knicks don't need a a point guard as as much as they need like versatile switchy wings that can play up and down a lineup and kind of modernize the way they look as far as their roster construction. Um, I mean, let's start it off Sacramento. They moved up from, from seven to four. They were the big jump. Uh, They, they got into the top four and and now they're in uh, the same awkward spot that I think some of us kind of foreseen Oklahoma city being in, you know, Rucker and I are going to be writing a piece for no ceilings kind of discussing the concept of fit versus best player available and you know at what part of the draft does each one make sense and where does that line meet where do they intersect because at some point 
best player available or best talent available, if you're not putting that player in the right position to succeed, are you really fulfilling that talent that you thought was greater than another prospect, right? If, if there are guys that are just that play the same position crowded everywhere, and maybe you're not playing in the right context, that player may look a little bit worse than they would if they played in a completely different context with a different team, with a different coach and a different system. So, uh, but Sacramento is kind of vaulted into that spot. Whereas at first it was Oklahoma city saying, can Ivy fit with SGA and Trey man and giddy yeah. when he, we want to see him with the ball in his hands more. Now we're shifting back to Sacramento and saying, does Jaden Ivy fit in Sacramento next to De'Aaron Fox and uh, Davion, Davion Mitchell, right? Mm-hmm. And even Sabonis is going to have a, the ball a lot of times. And, you know, they traded Halliburton because the backcourt was seemingly a bit too crowded. So right. do you think they jump right back into putting that that added pressure on the backcourt? I, I think it's interesting, Corey, because, like, I've heard – I, I think it was on the Bill Simmons pod. They're talking about like, okay, what if there's a trade on the table, like the Knicks with Randall and 11 for the fourth pick. And I'm just like, well, okay, maybe in NBA 2K, but what what I'm trying right. to understand is dude, De'Aaron Fox had a really strong end of the season. And the funny thing is they mentioned it on their pod too. And how he had like, he was averaging like 29 a game or something like that. Yeah. I don't even remember the exact numbers, but it's like, okay, so how do these two things live together in the same reality like what exactly are we talking about here so i, I think that's interesting i also have an extra grind with j Kyle man because he said some Our stuff guy. about davion i know <laughs> yeah, but he said some gotta, things with Davion gotta, in passing gotta, and i was we'll like bring that up to him when he comes on the he, show he's like oh you know with playoff basketball blah, blah blah i'm like well marcus smart has made a hell of a career <laughs> and an impact in the playoffs so Even anyway a guy like peyton pritchard had it oh, for the celtics God, had yeah. an impact too Exactly. Exactly. So uh, anyway, we'll move on from that. So with the Kings, though, I think it's interesting, right? Um, As much as I just bashed on the possibility of them trading Fox, let's say in some crit. No, I just can't see it. No, I'm I'm not even going to talk about it because I don't I don't see that happening. So if anything, I think they'll just pass on Ivy. Mm. And maybe that's just the move that they make, because what happens with Fox, Davion and Ivy when, as you just mentioned, they moved off of Halliburton because they thought they had a really crowded backcourt. Why would you add Ivy to that? I don't understand that rationale who, at who's all. Not, who isn't as clean as a fit as Halliburton was. Exactly. I mean, Halliburton gave them shooting, like, and tons of it. And he was one of the, he was like one of the best spot-up shooters in the league, right? So um, I, that's confusing to me. And, and hey, Corey, like we mentioned yesterday, I mean, we brought up, shade and sharp a ton right like sharp is going to be an option there potentially if they fall in love with aj griffin benedict matherin is a guy who can sneak into the top five not that i would ever do that but it could easily happen so there are a ton of wings there that they could fall in love with i mean keegan murray's to say you know you didn't even mention keegan right who's to say they don't fall in love with dyson daniels or johnny davis and take them at four so I think the Kings are going to have a lot of options there. I just don't see the Ivy fit making sense at all, considering not just like the team fit, but what the the organization just did in the middle of the season. Now, let me throw a curveball at you. Maybe, maybe this is an easy answer. I don't think, I still think it, it fits into our 
conversation we're having here about fit versus best player available and like where that line meets. What if Pablo Boncaro falls? What if he doesn't go in the top three? What if he falls to the Kings at four? Because look, there's been, there's nothing, you know, set in stone. There's, this isn't me reporting that Mm. this is going to happen, but there's a little chatter out there. Yeah. If you talk to the right people that Paulo could be a guy out of that group who slides a little bit on draft night. And we yeah. see this every year where we think guys are set in stone that they have to go in a specific order in a specific spot. And every year we learn that that's wrong because we're not taking into account the variables of personalities in front offices that have specific be- uh, beliefs and feelings and, and thoughts about these players. Bingo. What if Paul Boncaro is the guy who who slides to the fourth pick? I, I can 100, 100% see that happening, right? And not that I agree with it either, but, I mean, we, we you hear the whispers, right, of him being, you know, having some personality, blah, 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 um, which I think is nonsense, you know? But I, I, I don't know. And you know what, Corey? Something that I want to give you credit for. About like a week ago, two weeks ago, we were talking about Paolo and you described him as a jumbo wing. And yeah. that that kind of gave me a really big, like almost like a paradigm shift in terms of how I started to view Paolo. Because I, I think it's easy to box Paolo into the mold of your traditional four, but he may not be that at all he may be able to even play at like as you mentioned like a wing with the ball handling and the shot creation and the passing of course i mean even before the season started we raved about his passing even from the stuff that we saw in high school and i think yeah, he didn't he, i don't believe he even fully got to like fully got to show that off in college at all so if we see more of that with the ball handling and the shot creation i i think things get really really interesting where i could see him Pairing with Sabonis, no problem. Um, from what I, I might be crazy, and hey, to my credit, I didn't watch every goddamn Kings game this past <laughs> season, and I think I'm gonna allow myself uh, that. But um, Sabonis did play a good amount of five for them, from what I understand. And so, if that's gonna be the case, then you play Sabonis at the five, but Boncaro at the four, three. I don't know how you want to play that. Um, obviously, defensively, there might be some questions there, but sure. it's not like you play those two guys 48 minutes together. Right. You know, there you can you can stagger, you can do all kinds of things. So I don't hate that idea at all. And you know, obviously again, the def- you mentioned that the defensive fit is not clean by any stretch of the imagination, but they can run some really intriguing stuff with Sabonis and Paulo, like inverted pick and rolls. I, th- I think both of those guys can run pick and roll for each other. Um, and then, you know, the the whole aspect of seeing how they play with these guards. Now, in, in that scenario, you, you wonder, you go, where the hell is the shooting coming from, right? Like at, they need to just surround that entire roster with just shooters in, in every single direction. But they're all toolsy enough that, I mean, they're not going to run the best offense in the league, but but they will at least be able to run some creative things, I think. Mm-hmm. But look, this is all hypothetical because I, you know, I honestly, I don't think Paulo is going to fall outside of the top three. I still think he's going to go in the top two, but it's just something to take into consideration because right. this this top four could be a dice roll. It could be, and, and look, that offense will be clunky with Ivy too. 
the offense will be clunky with Ivy oh, too. Yeah, because sure. even though I believe in Ivy as a shooter, I believe him as a spot up shooter. I believe in him and his ability to play off handoffs with Sabonis. I believe in his ability, you know, with the ball in his hands in transition and in the half court. I mean, the how dynamic of a backcourt that it's got to be the fastest backcourt ever with Tavion, right. Darren Fox, and Jaden Ivy. But it's it's just interesting. Mm-hmm. Orlando won the number one pick again. Mm-hmm. They get that they've they've had some some good luck winning the number one pick in their fr- short franchise's history. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of teams would would prefer uh, to have that kind of lottery luck. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about where they go. Okay. There's some betting odds out. Mm-hmm. Who do you think is atop the odds? My guess would be um, probably, well, well, okay, no, I don't want to put my own bias into it. Let's say it's Jabari right now. It is Jabari. Okay, thank God. It's Jabari minus 130. Okay. Followed by Chet plus 160. Mm. Paulo plus 475. Wow. Not bad. Those are pretty good odds for Paulo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ivy plus 3,300. Sharp plus 3,300. And this is real. I'm, I'm not joking. You actually could, in certain books, bet Kai Soto at plus 50,000. Oh my god! <laughs> I had one hell of a day with the Kai Soto army, so uh, it's fun. It's fun. <laughs> you actually can. You can bet on it. Oh boy! So Jabari's the favorite. Mm-hmm. Chet's not far behind. Tell me, sell me on Orlando. Why they should take Jabari as the favorite? Oh boy. So Corey, like in preparation of this pod, I actually was breaking down Orlando just by myself and thinking I could see any of the top three guys going to them and Orlando being really happy with it is how I feel right now because they have like this nice stable of guards. Markel is a guy who um, when he's healthy, he seems to really enjoy playing with the magic. Um, He had spurs before he got hurt. And then even when he came back this past season, came back strong. he did. He really did. And they played well with him. Um, obviously, the Franz love is real. And I think it's deservedly so. Like, Franz was a guy you and I, we loved last year in that in that draft yeah. class. So it's great to see that that panned out. Um, obviously, you know, they have Hampton. They have Cole Anthony. They have all these guys. What the hell is going to happen with Jonathan Isaac? Nobody knows. And um, do I care? I'm not sure if I care about that either. But anyway. Uh, also, the whole Mamba situation and all that stuff. But, okay. So... For Jabari, here we go. Like I think there's enough creation on that Orlando team where Jabari's not going to be throwing the ball and asked to like, hey, kid, go get a shot for us. Or, yeah. hey, kid, here are the keys to the offense. Figure it out. I don't think he's going to have that pressure on him. He can play off of Markel. He can play off of Franz. Um, and he'll kind of be the third option, fourth option a lot of the time. And in my opinion, Corey, that's kind of the perfect situation for Jabari. If you were to come up with like this awesome plan for his career trajectory, I don't think you want to put him in a position where from day one, he's the number one or number two option. He's a guy that needs time. Shouts to Rucker. He's a guy that actually needs time. The shooting, great. 
Okay. Defense, I like a lot. Yeah. What's there not to like? The length, the competitive. I, he, the dude gets into a full on stance defensively. Oh, yeah. Great. I love, love that. It. Effort, cool. energy, intensity. Great. The handle is a real question. And I know, like, some people, they're trying to, like, zag a little bit. It's like, oh, I thought he can't dribble. And he does, like, some stuff behind his back through his legs. And I'm like, all right. I don't think anyone said he can't dribble. I think the right. question is, <laughs> if he's going to be a number one option, he's got to dribble it a little bit better, a little bit tighter. <laughs> um, it's, I think, fair. Jesus Christ. I like, think I, fair. I, I think it's hilarious how sometimes, like, you say one thing and it's like, oh, you're the complete op. You're, you're hating on this guy. It's like, well can we be critical can we be objective is that okay right um so anyway with jabari Corey, if i'll wrap up i, I think he makes sense on this magic team i think so do chet and paolo but specifically for jabari like if i were jabari and i ended up on the magic i wouldn't be pissed about it i think there's plenty on that team i didn't even mention wendell carter jr who you know, had a i thought he had a pretty decent season this past season as well so there's a lot to like i agree with you that jabari's ultimate I don't know. I, I wouldn't say ultimate ceiling because, you know, his ultimate ceiling involves him actually working on his handle to a point where he, you know, has a solid dribble. But I think his most likely outcome is he's kind of like Jaron Jackson Jr. Right. Nice. And that's a that's a third option. Right. Like, I, I think maybe Jabari has a little bit more of that mid range face up, like shoot over you the the fade away. Maybe he can use the the pump fake into like the one, two dribble attack. I think he has that where I trust that a little bit more than Jaron Jackson jr. But ultimately I think on like a, a championship level team, he's probably a number three because he doesn't have those wing skills. And I think you need those wing skills to be a one or a two. They're missing Orlando's missing the one and the two <laughs> still, right? Like they still are. <laughs> Uh, you mentioned all those guys and they're individually, you could pick out good things. It, it's a little crowded. I think they need to thin it out a little bit and hopefully Jalen Suggs takes a step and maybe he could be the number two guy. If he takes a step, I, I'm a little weary of that, but if he ends up being like your number four and every once in a while, he could serve as like your number two when he gets hot or is feeling it. And he, I, I still believe in Suggs, but the Jabari to Orlando thing if you're looking for he to me, it's very uninspiring. If you're like, this is the guy that's going to shift the the future of my franchise, right? I, I'm I'm a little I'm a little weary of that. Maybe Franz is the number two. Maybe Franz is the number two, and they need the number one guy is what they're missing, right? Maybe that's a more accurate depiction. My bad, Franz. My bad. <laughs> we did an episode about him called "The Value of Versatility." I think you know. I think we're we're fans. Yeah. So, but I've heard the people say Jabari, Jabari might give Orlando like, you know, finally that number one guy that can build around. I'm not seeing it there. Paulo, maybe I see that a little bit more if they take, if they go that direction where I could actually see Paulo being a number one option on an NBA team. Chet, I also don't see being a number one option on an NBA team, but I think he could be that two, three, probably similar to what Jabari tops out as. But I think that Chet for a guy who is kind of, slept on for his handle a little bit but people talk about his his half court creation i think he's got a lot more in his bag than jabari does and that's with not even getting to show a ton of that bag in college i think he's just a much more fluid ball handler uh and just even like some of the spins that he does that's kind of a signature move where he'll like 
just roll off your shoulder to either side and just use that length to attack the rim. Right. I I think that I would that plus one sixty bet that to me is that's the move for Orlando. It it fits the John Hammond you know, history of all the guys that he's taken in the past between Giannis and John Henson and uh, Larry Sanders and uh, uh, Thon Maker, I think was in there. Mm-hmm. Like all these guys, Chet fits it. And he's the ultimate version of that. He is the one, he is the guy, right? Well, you know, obviously Giannis is the ultimate version, but outside of the Giannis pick, like Chet is, is the one. Uh, I, to me, that's the guy Orlando has to, has to, draft you know my my buddy texted me he's a, he's a magic fan right after and he was like all right draft expert <laughs> like who, who we taking and i just like chat chat take chat please take chat and he's like yeah but we already have wendell and and mo bamba and like i was like it doesn't matter trade them <laughs> take chat and, and figure it out i still Bingo. don't think I don't think any of these guys fix Orlando's problem of, of that no brainer can't miss superstar, but I don't know. Or look, Orlando winning the lottery definitely helps them getting put in a position to, to choose Chet puts them in a good spot, but I can't help but feel like Chet is getting a little bit of the Luca discussion where you're just looking, people are looking for reasons to not buy in on Chet. Like they were looking for reasons to not buy in on Luca. Oh, he's, He's only doing it in, in the Euro League. He's not going to be able to do it against NBA guys. He's going to be too slow. He's not athletic enough. Like all this stuff. Like I feel like Chet's getting the Luca treatment right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And also, Corey, really quickly, shouts to your friend, the the Magic fan. Felice. Like, I don't know any Magic fans. Like I think that they they should just take the the Marine slogan, the few, the proud, the magic. Um, <laughs> you know what though? I'm actually, I'm a little shocked that there aren't more magic fans. And I'll tell you why, because why? my age group specifically, Oh yeah. There Penny, was nothing, yeah. there was nothing cooler than the Orlando magic. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. And he was, he was the coolest. And this is during Jordan, you know, like mm-hmm. he was up there as cool or cooler than Michael Jordan. And I think a lot of it had to do with, you know, he's playing next to Shaq, who was obviously very cool back then. And the fact that they had the best basketball jerseys that were ever made and the magic continuously move away from them as their primary jerseys and give us all this alternative garbage when they have, you know, Yankee pinstripes waiting for them in, in the closet. I, I'll never understand it, but it is what it is. But I, I'm a little surprised there aren't more lagging magic fans from my, my generation just because of that because i think those teams were really popular yeah yeah i'm with you man um those teams i mean I'm nick anderson whatever happened to him yeah uh, was rough but um overall dude I, i'm with you on chat like i just i said this before too and i think Corey, i think you're there with me with what you just said chet's in his own tier yeah. and i, I think people may disagree whatever for that's us. fine i it's for me it's for us. It's for a lot of us. I know ceilings. I think Chet's in his own tier. And I think you have to remember he played next to Drew Timmy. And Timmy had the ball in his hands a lot and was doing post-ups and stuff. It wasn't always the most fun and not the most NBA-ish <laughs> situation for Chet. So I, I just I'm ready for Chet to shock the world, or maybe not shock the world, but to prove his haters wrong. And like everyone's gonna bring up his frame. Rasilla brought it up a ton. It's like his major red flag with him. And I'm not I don't want to fight people on that because who knows, right? But I'll yeah. just say 
I've seen Chet play live. I stood literally right next to him for like 30 minutes while he warmed up for the game. Like I could have <laughs> easily just like slapped him on the back and said, good job, kid. But um, he's not as skinny as he looks. And if you watch him even in warmups, the skills on that guy, it's just silly. It's absolute silly. So um, I would be very happy for Magic fans if they got Chet at number one. And in my opinion, that's the appropriate pick. Yeah, I, I agree. I To me... I would run to the podium to draft Chet there and, and build out the roster accordingly around him as him and him and Franz as they see fit. Come on, Franz and and Chet in the front court. What are we doing here? I, I love it. I want to shift a little bit and, and talk about four prospects and not really talk about four prospects, but talk about them pulling out of the combine. I'm talking about Peyton, Peyton Watson. Jaden Hardy, J.D. Davison, and Max Christie. These guys decided that they don't want to play. Maybe they have promises, maybe not. Uh, but it was a little shocking when it was announced that that these guys pulled out. And then our man, Bones Highland, Denver Nuggets fame, second team all-rookie. He went tweets, off. Tweets out. Coming from somebody who went through the draft process and seen everything, I can honestly say they hate when players don't play in caps. They came there to see you play. Why be scared to go out there and play? One game can put you on top. I never respected those type players. Sheesh. Shots fired from Bones. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love it. Sage wisdom from the one-year veteran. I love it. <laughs> no, I, I can't agree more. Couldn't agree more, Corey. Those guys need to play. They do. They do. Okay, actually, all right, Corey, can I ask you this? Yeah. Of the four, who were you the most okay with not playing and pulling out? Hardy. Same. Ex- th- okay, this is why we're co-hosts. I feel exactly the same. And for me, Corey, the rationale is he played against NBA guys all season. Yeah, that's so, it for me. There's exactly yeah. I, what more does he have to prove? Sure, right. if he gets hot and it's kind of like, all right, so you played against NBA guys and you have this body of work that we can go to. But I guess if you get hot and you measure yourself, now you're, it's almost like you're playing down a level playing exactly. against college kids, exactly. right? Exactly. It's a pickup setting, which may be a good kind of setting for, for him. him. But, um, you know, you, you don't know how many shots you get. Everybody's looking for their own shot. It's mm-hmm. it's not like to me, I'm OK with with Hardy. I don't feel that right. now he's a guy that, that is getting mocked in in the second even. So to say that he doesn't need a good showing and that it couldn't help him, I think is wrong. I think if he yeah. showed out uh, a good showing certainly could have helped Jaden. But I mean, Peyton Watson, J.D. Davison, Max Christie, like. I mean, these guys these guys need it. They, they need to play. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, Corey, my biggest thing, Watson barely played. Like he truly right. barely played the season. So why not? What, what are you tired? Are you, what's going on there? Right. He might've played the most minutes of his, the whole season in this game. He, exactly. Exactly. For Christie, he sat in the corner for most of the season. Why not venture out of the corner and show NBA teams that you can do more than that? Right. So play with the ball in your hands. Giant question mark for me. JD Davison, like you had a really bad season. Um, 
why not go out there and show them like, hey, don't define me by one season. Define me or not define me, but look what I can do here. You know, like his stock plummeted. So why not go out there and wreck some guys? It, look, look, let's imagine, Corey, they're playing this pickup style of ball and he just absolutely takes like four or five guys heads at the rim. Yeah, that's that's not going to help his stock. I think it will. Let's say he hit like two out of five threes in a game and they go suddenly they're like, oh, he hit two threes. Oh, the form's not bad. And he dunked on four guys' heads. It's the narrative can shift just like that. So I hate it. I'm with you. The only one I can understand is Hardy for me. Absolutely. I agree. Shout out to everybody uh, watching live in the chat. I make music says if Hardy was as athletic as Jalen Green and Jonathan Kaminga, he would be a top five pick. Agreed. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> but he's not, so he's not he's not a top five pick. <laughs> uh, and coming into the year, we had him. I he was my number one overall guy. Um so he was a top five pick coming into the year he didn't he didn't show enough consistency but he's still a guy that we like albert you've been steady on the hardy train yeah the the whole season yeah i mean i i'm the one idiot on planet earth that still has him in my top 10 so um maybe i'm the problem here but my thing Corey, and, and i've said this a million times i'm a broken record at this point but i just i like the fact that he played against adults I like the fact that he wasn't afraid to try stuff. Um, I like the fact that he failed at a lot of different things because, I mean, in my opinion, Corey, and maybe this is just me, but I feel like I've always learned the most in my life when I failed the hardest. Yeah. So how does a player respond to adversity? Exactly. And and hello, look at how he finished the season. Like, yeah, he failed and he had really rough moments. You went to see him live and he played like ass. But oh, watch. <laughs> Watch the last four games of the season. Tell me yeah. he didn't grow as a playmaker. Tell me he didn't find some composure and like level headedness oh, yeah. as a player. I, 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 it's hard for me to give up on him. I'm the psychopath. I get it, but I, I still think there's enough there to be like. I think he worked out a lot of different things in the G League and tried new things. So I kind of think he's a better player because of it. So. Look, we when we had Rashad Phillips on on the show to to talk about Jaden Hardy, you know, we talked about how his outcome could be he's Buddy Healed, right? I think that's a, a realistic outcome for a guy like him. I think the shot making is is going to translate, even if the percentages weren't what you would would hope for. Um, I think that role, moving off ball, running off screens, coming off pin downs, attacking off movement, coming off handoffs, all that stuff. I think that's stuff he could do. And if he turns into a Buddy Heald type guy, are you going to regret taking Buddy Heald with the tenth pick? Nope, I don't think so. Right? Like you, if you any player that you pick that actually hits <laughs> with a pick like that, you're probably going to count as a win. So if that's an outcome that I could certainly see for Hardy, and and you look at him like you know we've mocked him a lot to a team like Denver, right? And maybe Denver is a weird fit with from the perspective that they have bones, they have Jamal Murray, you know, they have guys that are kind of like him. So maybe it's a little crowded, but theoretically, like you put him with a guy like Jokic who makes players better, especially guys who move without the ball. And, you know, then all of a sudden he starts knocking down shots. He's having this year, this quote unquote surprising year because he looks better than he did 
you know, in the G League where he was put in uncomfortable spots. And all of a sudden, he starts looking more like that guy that we thought he was coming into the season. That's that's an outcome that I could see. I could also see him going to a team where there's a crowded backcourt. He's struggling to find minutes when he comes in. You know, it, he's not, you know, playing um, as composed as he was at the end of the G League season. He's forcing the issue a little bit. And he, he looks a little bit more chucky than you know, anything else that's an outcome too. And it takes him a couple of years to figure it out. So, but that's the fun with this guessing game of, of the draft mm-hmm. that we're playing. You know, we're trying to take educated guesses and form hypotheses about all of these players. So um, Mr. Ray in the chat says, uh, quotes, Albert, I'm the psychopath. I get it. Albert expressing my feelings in regards to how I feel about Johnny Davis and his ceiling being much higher than we might perceive it to be. Johnny Davis had himself a measurement. He did. Almost 6'6". Six, six. Yeah. I was floored. I was shocked. I thought he was going to measure closer to like 6'3", maybe 6'4 in shoes. 6'6 mm-hmm. six, six in shoes. Plus wingspan, I think he was like 6'9"-ish. <laughs> I, I'm forgetting, but off the top of my head. That's huge. I, to me, that, that that puts him in... I, I'm with Mr. Ray. I know I want you to opine about, about Johnny real quick because I know you... No, I- You've been preaching the gospel, as you like to say. So, Corey, for me, the crazy thing is I realized I'm such an idiot. Like, I almost never post my personal board. So I think that's why, like, I I think people don't really know where I'm at with most of these players. Yeah. My latest board, like, my absolute latest board, I have Johnny Davis at four. Mm. Um, Yeah. Like, and I... I just don't talk about it. I don't know what's wrong with me. I have to do more of that where I put my stuff out there a little Post bit more. It. Maybe put it out there. I'm a I'm a bad self promoter. You, you have a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> You're out there. Uh, okay. So I have Davis at four. And the reason why is I'm with you, Mr. Ray. I think with me with Davis, if I can, like my thing with him is like I like guys who play that hard. Oh, um, yeah. which is like a big reason why I love Dale and Terry too. It's like these guys like and I think Simmons talks about it a lot too. And this is not some Bill Simmons propaganda podcast or anything like By that. By the way, J- like- Jalen Green just tweeted out, shout out Bill Simmons. That's my dog for real. <laughs> Which is unbelievable. Petty wars. Um, but but with Davis, like he has the give a shit factor that you're looking for. Um, he's a guy that as hey, Metcalf is the absolute professor on this, but he played on a rough team, man. He really did. And I think the shooting for me, I test wise, I think like I heard KOC talking about it and saying, like, oh, you know, if he can extend it out to three, I think he has already extended it out to three. I think he's gonna be just fine. And that's just yeah. my opinion. Once again, I like the off the dribble stuff. Um, I think I truly do believe that he's more malleable and versatile in terms of fit than people give him credit for like i don't think he's gonna come in year one and be like hey so like i need the ball in my hands he just doesn't come off as a diva to me at all i think he'll be willing to play off ball i think he'll be willing to do all kinds of things and defensively he's gonna go out there and be like uh that best guy on the other team he's mine Mm. and that's exciting you know so uh yeah i need to promote this better but yeah i have D- davis fourth on my board so I- i'm with you mr ray i love him I-, I love the take and look the measurements maybe the measurements shouldn't always play a part in how you feel about a prospect you know it's like last year you know i was so certain that davion mitchell was going to be a good nba player that yeah. i looked and he came in i think at like 
six one in shoes, or I think it was with like a six four, six four and a half wingspan. And I was like, I don't care. I watched him on tape the whole year, and he had an impact on winning. And I know his defense is going to translate. I saw how he gave Cade Cunningham fits with all of the extra size that that Cade brought. I saw that, but um, you know, for me, like I look at Johnny now, and I see the extra size, and I go, okay, well maybe he could scale up a little bit more now. And that interests me. I, I see the, the way that, uh, you know, I, my argument was always like Matherin was, was a guy that maybe should go ahead of Johnny because I could see him playing up in lineups a little bit more, but if Johnny's really going to be close to six, six, right. What's the, the argument against that? That to me solidifies that I should, move him up a little bit because some of the concerns that I had maybe were unfounded. And I don't know what it was about him that made him look smaller. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe it's the way he's put together. Cause he's very right. compact, right? Like he's, yeah. I think he's got good length, but he's like strong and he's compact, but his size has definitely swayed me a little bit. And, you know, we've always said like, he has that fun game. Like he, he reminds you of like Devin Booker a little bit. He reminds me of like a, a, a slightly smaller Joe Johnson. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'm, I'm definitely trending up on Johnny. I think, I think those measurements were at least for me, were were a big time positive for him. No, Corey, I think it makes a big difference. Cause I think some people low key were expecting him to come in at like six, three, six, four. And yeah. if he did come in at six three and yeah. six four, exactly, it, it could be a totally different discussion because he's in the Ty Ty Washington range then, height wise. So right. I I totally get it. And the fact that he's like he's essentially going to be like six six, that's awesome. Yeah. It, it's really awesome. Yeah, for sure. Um, was there anything else that you you've seen throughout the the combine that that surprised you at all? Um. Well, okay. Personal thing for me, Dale and Terry over seven foot wingspan, chef's kiss. <laughs> That's freaking awesome. That freaking pterodactyl. I, I love that to death. Um, obviously Jalen Williams. Yes. Uh, also uh, our guy, Mark Williams, like he just doesn't have arms. <laughs> He's got ladders. So that's great. Right. That's interesting. Seven, so, seven wingspan. Uh, it's disgusting. What is that? I just mm, don't know. Coloco, his measurements came out great. <clears throat> Coloco is like Williams. Like Coloco, if you watch him live, he'll be standing in the middle of the paint and he's just going one like his, his the paint is covered. The paint is fully covered. So um those are the ones that definitely stuck out to me. It's it's impressive stuff, man. Jalen Williams, seven two and a half wingspan. That's really fun. We have to do Jalen Williams soon. Yeah, we gotta. The on I I just went on the the draft deeper podcast, which will be out after our episode of the podcast, since we're streaming live and you know that episode's not up yet. And uh Jalen Williams was taken by Nate. Can you guess? Take a guess where he was taken. 17th. He went 15th with to Ooh. Charlotte with their second pick. Nate took him. Nate took him with the second pick. Charlotte's second pick at 15. Even Rucker thought that was a little bit spicy. And, and Rucker's been driving the Jalen Williams hype train for a lot of the college season. But I, part of me is like, I definitely think that he can bring back that lottery type value that you would expect from a guy who was being taken 15. And you look at the, the, the measurables, he's going to be able to guard at least one through four 
Jesus. out on switches, right? Like you're not going to put him on fours full time, but you're going to be able to put him out there on the perimeter and, and hope that he can bother guys with length, especially more of these like wingy guys. Um, I love the ball handling. I love the playmaking out of the pick and roll, maybe the best pick and roll playmaker in the whole draft, the off the ball shooting, the on the ball shooting. There's a lot to like, you're right. We have to do an episode on him for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I, let me let me pump the brakes a little bit so we don't go like forty minutes on him and it turns into a Jalen Williams episode. But yeah. there's a lot to like there. So, we got to do yeah. an, we got to do an episode on. We him. have to. We have to. We have to. All right. I think I think that's. Do you have anything else on your mind before we go? Yeah. Um. Yeah. Let me see. I want to go through my notes really quick. Oh, okay. So I want to have this conversation, and I think this is a okay. perfect place to end because it's kind of like middle of the. Uh, of the lottery can we talk about the pacers before we go because i feel like we never talk about the pacers on our pod and i'm sure we've got some pacers fans right yeah shout Um, out to indiana pacers fans indiana is a a huge basketball culture for sure exactly a thought crossed my mind Corey, thinking about the pacers and the direction they can go they've got halliburton they've got healed they've got turner they've got duarte you know they've got Mm -hmm. these guys so I, i was thinking about who they can grab uh, at six because they're another team that I think is going to be in a prime position to grab a really, really good player. So I thought about Branham mm-hmm. and then I thought about Dyson Daniels. And the, the question that I want to throw at you is, do you feel like the Pacers at six is like the peak spot for Dyson Daniels? Like the highest he'll go is what I was thinking. Okay. I don't think Sacramento or Detroit would take him. Me too. So if we're thinking Daniels at six, that means that we're assuming what? Chet, Jabari, Paolo, Shaden, Ivy off the board? Yeah. So that leaves us between, are you taking what consensus would take into Keegan Murray? Mm -hmm. Or are you throwing a curveball with Dyson Daniels? Right. I don't think it's out of the question. Mm -hmm. Because... Although I think that Murray is also a guy that you could take and see going as high as, as four. Mm -hmm. It also wouldn't shock me if he fell to like Portland at seven Mm. and Dyson Daniels is a kid. He measured six, 7.75 inches, almost six, almost six, 11 wingspan. Uh, And another guy who played against pros was productive against pros arguably the best perimeter defender in the draft doesn't need to play in the ball with the ball in his hands. Right. Right. So you're not killing Halliburton and putting him mm-hmm. in another situation where he doesn't have the ball in his hands because Halliburton earned that right to be the, the primary primary playmaker. Mm-hmm. Um, you can kind of play him like a wing. You're right. now looking at, you know, a, a Halliburton Duarte Dyson Daniels, as of yeah. now, Miles Turner and maybe like Isaiah Jackson type mm-hmm. thing. You got a, a ton of size, some versatility. It's not out of the realm of possibility. Corey, my rationale behind it, like I just started thinking, oh, that could be where it starts for Dyson Daniels in terms of consideration. Because uh, those names that you just rattled off, that's a really fun young core. Yeah. You mentioned Halliburton's earned the right to have the ball in his hands, but also in, in a really like weird way. 
uh, that experience in Sacramento was also kind of a blessing because he showed the world I can also play with the ball out of my hands. Right. I can do both. I'm that versatile. I don't, I don't right? need to be a heliocentric creator. I can, I can play <laughs> in any system. Exactly. And then they, they still have heel. They have Duarte. Duarte, a guy who uh, also can do a little bit with the ball in his hand. So you have a very dynamic stable of guys who can do a little something, something with the ball in their hands. And then you talk about the passing of Halliburton, the passing of um, of um, of Dyson Daniels. And there's a lot of versatility with how that ball is going to move on that squad. And then you have Isaiah Jackson, who started to show a little bit with that jump shot. Um, and then he can obviously be an easy roll dive man. So um, I thought that that was an intriguing spot to start considering Dyson Daniels is what I wanted to say. I love it. Um, I love it. I, I, I mean, <laughs> you know, we're high on Dyson Daniels. We, right. we just covered him. He's, he's going to be a, a really good NBA player. Uh he's he's big he's versatile he's switchable he's skilled he's got a high iq he's all the things that you see out of these successful guys who come into the league and and have like that quick success right because and and he's he might be even in a better position than some of these guys because he already understands what it takes to play in an nba system playing for right. g league ignite has pro experience so yeah i look i still think ultimately i would take keegan yeah but you have to have the conversation because exactly. Dyson Daniels is 18. He offers all those things we talked about. Keegan Murray, tremendous. Love him. Hard to really point out flaws in his game. The biggest flaw in his game that when people talk about Keegan is that he's good at a lot of things. <laughs> it's my least favorite argument. You know that one. Okay. He's good at a lot of things, but yeah. you know, so Outside of his age, which, you know, look, that's for a lot of people, the, the age thing matters a lot. Went To me, when a guy is just really good at basketball and he brings all of the winning intangibles, and I saw him live, I saw how he warmed up, I saw right. the way he approached the game, I saw how he played during the game, his level of focus, how he was locked in with his teammates and the timeouts. I saw all of that from behind the bench, checked all the boxes, was unbelievably productive in a, a really good conference in college basketball. So, to me, it's it's hard to to say that he doesn't have more potential than he's he's shown. I think you know he would be a really good fit with that core as well. Indiana's in a good spot because you know you could even see one of the guards falling to them, right? Like, right. You know, if Keegan goes in that top five, that means that one presumably one of Ivy or Shaden Sharp is going to fall as well, and then yeah. you have that conversation. So Indiana's in an interesting position. I know that their fans. Um, are probably upset because I believe they were one of the teams that got pushed down a little bit, but they'll still get themselves a, a good player, I think. Right, right. No, I agree. And also, getting pushed down isn't always the end of the world. Um, and it's the same philosophy that I've. It's the same feeling that I have with the Knicks. Like, yeah, they didn't go number one, eleven. Good, no problem. So that's all I've got. So who's the guy for you right now? You know, now you know the Knicks are locked in at eleven. You know, I on my uh, YouTube channel, NBA Draft Dude, I actually, you know, I've been doing these team-centric big boards, and today I released my my New York Knicks big board. So, who do you, out of like the realistic targets for you, who who is your number one guy? Is it Dyson? So I guess it depends on how you define realistic, right? Because like the way things are going, I feel like Johnny Davis might be there. Yeah, no, uh, Johnny Davis was on my board for the Knicks, and honestly. 
I, I kind of did it before measurements and stuff. And if I could go back, I would switch him and, and Matherin in the order. But I think so. Johnny Davis is that would be the dream for you. I think I'd I'd freak out, Corey. I have a conniption if the Knicks got Johnny Davis at eleven. Like I wouldn't really know what to do with myself. Back in uh, eighteen, when the Knicks got, or was it eighteen? Yeah, it was eighteen, right? Or twenty? I don't remember. Twenty twenty. When the Knicks got RJ Barrett, I that was twenty twenty. I bought that jersey like that night that we drafted. Nineteen. Two thousand nineteen. 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 Correct. You're right. Uh, if the Knicks grab Johnny Davis, I'll be doing the same thing. I'll be placing that order the night of the draft because uh, that would be unreal. After Johnny Davis, if Dyson Daniels is somehow there, I would love Dyson Daniels there. And then if Matherin's there, sure, no problem. I love Matherin. I would, Corey, this is just me. People might say I'm crazy. Uh, if Akbaji's there, mm. I'm not against it. I'm not against that at all. Are you kidding me? You, you're telling me Tibbs won't fall in love with Ochai Akbaji? Knicks fans will love Ochai Agbaji. Do you see what he measured at, uh, with his max vert today at the Combine? Uh, <laughs> no problemo. He'd be a great fit, too. Watched him in the Garden. Kansas versus Michigan State. Put on a show in the Garden. Plays well there. Yeah. Agbaji went in one of the mocks. I don't remember if it was Sports Illustrated or Bleacher Report, but Agbaji fell to the Bulls at 18. And I was like, okay, I'm, I'm starting <sighs> to feel something down low. Let's, wow. you know, if, if he, if he falls there, that's, I just couldn't that's explain. Insane. Yeah. How, yeah. how happy I'd be. But ultimately I think he gets taken. Like, I, you know, I, I think Cleveland has got to have a real long talk with themselves uh, about Ogbaji mm-hmm. for sure. Even Charlotte, they have two picks depending on, you know, who's available, who's on the board. Right. But yeah, I, I think if the Knicks took Ogbaji, that's how are you going to argue against a, a, a wing with plus athleticism, plus shooting ability, and not just stand still, off movement, can do enough with the ball in his hands, attacking closeouts, one, two dribble pull-ups. And, oh, yeah, uh, led his team to a national championship. Boom. Boom. Sell me this pen on that shit. (laughs) Corey, one name I forgot to mention, Malachi Brandon, too. So, once again, it's like five, six deep in terms of options there for the Knicks at 11. So, I'm not losing sleep over it. You're going to have a good night. Hell, yeah. Who's your nightmare? Oh, my nightmare for the Knicks at 11, right? Blake Wesley? My nightmare would absolutely 1 trillion percent be Blake Wesley. If the Knicks took Blake Wesley at 11, I might just not watch basketball next season. I'm trying to f- I'm trying to figure out who the Blake Wesley team is because we keep hearing like potential lotto buzz. So I'm trying to figure out what team makes sense. Just please not. It's going to be a mystery until draft night. That's yeah. That's all we'll say. All right, Albert. Tell the people where they could find you on the WWWs. Uh, you can find me at Alberto Gim on Twitter is where you'll find me. You'll find me talking about random stuff. And you know what, Corey? I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna I'm gonna finally post a big board. Maybe I'll do it this week, actually, because yeah. it's about damn time. I don't know what why I haven't done it, but I will do that this week. Drop it like drop it like a flex bomb, man. Bang. Uh, shout out again to everybody watching live on youtube shout out to our listeners that are listening on spotify and apple uh shout out to everybody who participated in the chat you can find me at Corey tulliba on twitter nba draft dude on youtube no ceilings tv on youtube the draft act nba draft podcast obviously apple spotify wherever you get your podcast like subscribe share with all your friends give us a rating if if you feel so inclined to that would be dope 
Um, and thanks everybody for the support. Make sure you head to noceilingsmba.com. Subscribe to that. It's free. You'll get it sent directly to your email inbox Monday through Friday. We are going to be loading up on draft content over the next month and a half. So be there or be square, man. Throwing it back old school. That's it. <laughs> we out. Peace. Peace.